1: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Hi there. Good evening. Welcome. The telephone number is 8334-VALDEZ, 8334-VALDEZ, with an S, by the way, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to join us that way and comment, you're welcome to. Uh, A lot of headlines I want to get to. We have a lot of big topics we're going to talk about today. Of course, there's um, some developments on this uh, balloon, this very large balloon that's been in the sky, still in the sky And fascinatingly, it has not been shot out of the sky. So we're going to get to that uh, in a moment, and we're going to spend some time on that. Uh, We're also talking about the uh, state of police in big cities. What's going on with that? Uh, We're going to find out what's going on with the NYPD and what's happening. I know there's a lot of migrants, illegal aliens that have come from Texas and from the southern border into the city. Eric Adams has got his hands up. He's saying, no mas, please, no more. And, of course... He uh, is calling on Biden for help while evicting them from hotels in New York City where they're staying, luxury hotels. And they're saying they've organized and said like a union. And they've said, we're not leaving. Matter of fact, you should defund the police and uh, allow us to stay here. So uh, we're going to get to that as well. And of course, uh, there's uh, some some movement on the Second Amendment. So we're going to uh, keep you up to speed on that. But first, I want to get into some of the headlines here, some of the culture war stuff that's going on. And this is uh, – a. Interesting here. Project Veritas, you know, they do undercover work. Project Veritas has been locked out of their Twitter account uh, as of earlier today uh, because they confronted a YouTube executive over getting banned on YouTube for exposing what a Pfizer executive said on video. So I guess the Pfizer people pulled some strings, called their friends at Google, which owns YouTube, and said, Hey, listen, uh, you're making us look really bad. We got a lot of our people on video saying very embarrassing things, and uh, we just we can't have that out there. Would you do me a favor and uh, ban O'Keefe? And they were likely said, Hmm, yeah, you know what? Sure, you betcha. We're going to hook you up. We're going to make sure that nobody hears what, what has to be said here. This uh, fly-on-the-wall video, we're going to make sure nobody, uh, absolutely nobody gets to hear it. So, of course, there's other outlets. But, you know, with YouTube YouTube, excuse me, being the biggest, they say, um, sure, we got you. And now all of a sudden, same thing happening at Twitter. So now I I don't know the response to that, but I'm throwing that out there. We're going to keep an eye on that as as that develops. Uh, Of course, there's uh, another interesting headline. Listen to this. A Florida teacher was arrested after allegedly raping a 12-year-old in the classroom. I mean, we were just talking about this the other day, about the need to protect our children. And it's not just rape and sexual predators and uh, the over-sexualization and, and indoctrination that's going on in our classrooms. But there's also uh, safety issues, whether it's you know school shootings or getting beat up on a bus. There was a story that uh, – let me see if I could find it right here. Yeah, Palm Beach Post. Look at this. South Florida students were arrested or well, one student was arrested after a video went viral because of a beating that happened on a school bus. This was horrible. And uh, I believe that the girl was nine years old and they were just two two boys pounding away, throwing big, heavy fist blows to this poor girl that was uh, bracing herself. I mean, I, I I see this and again, I'm incensed. The one kid was probably taller than me. So um, you know he's one of those probably tall eighth graders that I think they should be able to... to to receive whatever they've given out. It's just my thought. Um, I don't know if you agree with me. Maybe I'd get in trouble for saying that if it wasn't hypothetical. Um, but I guess we don't condone the abuse of children with more abuse of children. But that one kid, he looked like he was pushing uh, 16, 17. And uh, we're going to get to this story a little bit later as well. I just wanted to put put it out there because I think it's, uh, it's just crazy what's going on. And um, there's this other story, and this one is really interesting. This one is about a biological male. Uh, he's, he, he claims, uh, he, he identifies, excuse me, he identifies as transgender, as a trans woman. And he says that he's the mother of two trans kids. So he's a trans woman, who's a man, and he's a huge, large man. Looks like a bodybuilder, and, you know, with some pink lipstick on and a, and a pink hooded sweatshirt. And says trans rights are human rights on on the shirt. I mean, it's really quite quite the sight for you to see. And he says that he has two children. She says that she has two children. And he said this to the Minnesota legislature and saying that child sex changes are life-saving care. So we're going to get to that in a little bit as well. Uh, More than a little bit. Uh, In hour number three, I'm going to get to that story. Uh, But I wanted to put it out there because that's what's coming up later. Uh, And of course, then we're going to, Right before that, we're going to have a conversation with uh, Lieutenant Joe Cardinale, former NYPD commander who's scheduled to join us to give us what's uh, the scoop on what's going on on the ground in New York City. And, of course, uh, Judd Dunning is supposed to join us uh, with some conversation on the Second Amendment. And we've got General Blaine Holt joining us momentarily to talk about in depth what's going on with this spy balloon. Now that the Pentagon has made some uh, announcements about it, uh, the... Pentagon spokesperson has uh, pretty much come clean. And he said, yep, yep, Uh, General Pat Ryder. He says that we know about this thing. We are uh, aware it's there. I mean, it's fascinating what's going on, uh, that they're saying all of these different things. And I have a few clips of him, and I'm going to play some. I'll play one now, and I'll play one uh, with uh, General Holt uh, to get his reaction. But one of the things that he said is that they don't believe that when China says, oh, that's just a weather research balloon that went off course. And it's funny, I said that yesterday, not knowing, uh, you know, I just figured, Who you, what do you use balloons for? For years we've said we've used them for weather. <laughs> so I think for years we've always called them weather balloons and for years they've always been spy balloons. But anyway, here is uh, General, uh, Air Force General Pat Ryder, the spokesperson at the Pentagon. Listen to this.
2: We know that it's a surveillance balloon. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to be more specific than that. Uh, we do know that the balloon has violated U.S. airspace and international law, uh, which is unacceptable.
1: Yeah, well, I wanted to play number five. That's the one where he says that, we, OK, well, there should be one that says we know that it's not a weather balloon that went off course. And uh, that is, I think, the uh, the laughable point here is that we're hoping – you know, that if we know they're full of crap and they're telling us these, these BS lines, then hopefully we're calling them out on this stuff and saying, hmm... B.S., that's not the case. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead, plus your calls if you want to get in on the conversation with General Blaine Holt. Uh, you've seen him on Newsmax a couple of times. He's scheduled to be with us. Uh, the phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ, and that's Valdes with an S. You can get at me on social media as well at Rich Valdez with an S. We're coming right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
3: Thank you Rich and thank you for everything. I know you very well and I have I listen but I have a lot of people that listen and they love your show and I appreciate it very
1: much.
0: America at night with Rich Valdez.
1: So it was a lively day in Washington today and um of course the uh, Pentagon spokesperson I keep um forgetting His his name. Uh, The Pentagon uh, press secretary had a lot on his hands today. Uh, Let me just double check. What is his name? Nobody's telling me in my ear, so I have to figure it out on my own. All right, Pentagon Pentagon spokesman Pat Ryder. There we go. He had a very, very busy day in Washington today. And saying that shooting the Chinese spy balloon, shooting it down, could in effect be an option but that the Biden administration just wasn't going to do that. Now, I believe we have a cut with the uh, general saying that much. If we do, let it play.
2: Out of an abundance of caution, uh, cognizant of the potential impact to civilians on the ground uh, from a debris field, uh, right now we're going to continue to monitor and review options.
1: So that is the Pentagon saying, well, you know, we we could have done it, but we were not. Or just not uh, what they call an abundance of, of caution. Uh, they're going to review all the options. And again, I always use the, the famous getting punched in the face scenario. And, and he makes, you know, he alludes to this as well. But I think, you know, if you find something that is threatening you, threatening your safety, your security, you know, getting in your space or whatever, do you push it out of the way immediately so that it's no longer in your space? Do you, you know, if they're punching you in the face, do you punch them back or do you say, excuse me, please stop. Why are you punching me? And and I think this is one of those things where I can't for the life of me figure out why on earth we would say, oh, wow, we found a Chinese surveillance balloon. That's a pretty large thing from what I understand. And then all of a sudden say, well, you know, we're going to review all options. All options should start with Shoot it out of the sky or use an EMP device or something and disable it so you could see what's on board this thing. But again, what do I know? I talk on the radio. Let's go with an expert here. We've got Brigadier General Blaine Holt, retired from the United States Air Force. He was the deputy NATO representative for the United uh, uh, States, and he's a Newsmax contributor. You see him on TV all the time. Plus, he was a fighter pilot. General Holt, welcome, sir. Hey, it's great to be with you, Rich. I, I flew fast movers first, but then I went on
4: into C-17, the grand big airplane that we have.
1: That's awesome. So uh, obviously, you know, you spent a lot more time in the air than I have. And um, I, I'm interested in knowing here, and let's take this step by step, because I think people are really interested in this topic. Yet uh, we, we don't know a lot about it. You know, I, I'm, I'm starting to think, has there ever been such a thing as a weather balloon or were they all spy balloons all along? Now, why aren't we shooting this thing out of the sky? So
4: let's be really clear. If this was a weather balloon, which it is not, the Chinese can say anything they want. They're um, pathological liars, uh, especially the CCP. Um, if this was a weather balloon and it was approaching um, the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, the proper course of action would have been to shoot it down. You, you, you do not accept that this would happen. The other part would be if... If it was a docile weather balloon, the way that course of events would have gone is the Chinese would have alerted us. We've had a mistake with one of our balloons. It's gone off course. We're alerting you to this. And then, you know, we would have gotten some sort of EBS message uh, or emergency broadcasting message across our airways. The president would have come on and said there is a a Chinese vessel coming across our skies. We're in constant contact with them. None of that happened. Um, And our Pentagon's calling it for what it is a surveillance aircraft but but that's that's our best speculation we don't know what's on board there or or that that balloon we don't know what its capabilities are we we've kind of figured out at this point it's steerable and it's just absolutely um an abomination that we now have a, a, a communist party of china PLA vessel uh floating above our nation right now a, and at the least it's collecting information and at the worst it's damaged uh, another element of our sovereignty uh, in this country.
1: Now, from what I understand, it's it's somewhere over Billings, Montana, or something uh, is something close to that, or it was, uh, where it had a vantage point over several nuclear installations and and other what what could be perceived as sensitive military stuff uh, information that that I don't think we'd want to publicly broadcast to some some other country's spy balloon. Um, Would this be accepted if we had a spy balloon over China? And I'm not saying we do or don't, but if they caught our spy balloon, um, would they just say, oh, okay, we'll just leave it there. We're exploring all options.
4: (laughs) No, they just shoot it down right away. And what the Chinese uh, what we've seen is in the Chinese propaganda press, they have goaded us today. They've said humiliating remarks as. You know, the United States air defense is a decoration where I read in one spot. In the other spot, uh, you you saw statements to say that, you know, we we don't we we can get all the intelligence we need with our satellites. We don't really need this balloon. And and I actually am going to um, say I probably agree with some of that because um, a balloon like this, if you allow it to travel through the United States, um, it's much more the idea that they can do it. And they could have things like you talked about earlier, an electromagnetic pulse weapon on board. Are they spraying or dispersing anything from it? Or is this a dry run to say, listen, if we can fly over the United States, we could do this again with other vehicles. And, and by the way, in this crisis, this is not the only one. Um, this one that we know of is somewhere over the Midwestern United States, just leaving Missouri right now. And, and then there's one that was reported in Canada earlier and now appears to be over Latin America. And so the Chinese definitely have an orchestrated operation in play. Um, our big issue is, is this the end of the crisis with this balloon? We don't know. And, and then the other thing is, is who's going to be held accountable for this? We've, we've now had our air sovereignty invaded. The Chinese are already uh, tagging us at the southern border with fentanyl, which, as you know, kills 100,000 Americans per year.
1: General Blaine Holt, this is um, this gives this gives me agita. And uh, I, I really I look at this and I think, is it me being overzealous? Is it me being hyperbolic when I feel like if somebody put a drone over my yard, I'd shoot it down. So it, it, right. it, that's just my thinking. I don't it doesn't fit in my brain why we're not doing that. And automatically, you know, I, I find my closest tinfoil hat and I say, well, let me put this on, because obviously there's we want it there if we're not shooting it out. Right. Either we're scared or we want it. Am I wrong in those two options? Do you think there's a third?
4: No, I think you're on the right track. Um, there has to be some reason that the National Command Authority or our president would say to our military leaders, we're not going to shoot this aircraft down. And there has to be some sort of rational reason that the military commanders would have said, OK, well, we accept that. So then what is it and how much peril are we in that we would um, forego the strategic embarrassment of having a foreign adversarial power invade our skies and our sovereignty. Because if the Chinese feel very comfortable that they can do this, then, then what's next? Exactly. And, and what I would, what I would question what, what, where the last two years we've seen nothing but a cascading series of failures in foreign policy, uh, from, uh, the first time we met with the Chinese, Kabul, this deterrable war that we're going through in Europe, uh, you know, countless hundreds of thousands of people now dead. Um, now we're in this place, and it just ratchets up from here. So, what we need to ask is, you know, are we in a position where these stories about laptops and relationships to CFC and money's going back and forth uh, are those putting our leadership into a compromised position? where we should expect more of these types of events. And if that's the case, uh, then Americans, ordinary Americans, are going to need to burn up the switchboard of the Capitol because we, we, we absolutely pay a trillion dollars a year, and this is not the type of uh, security and defense that we think we're paying for.
1: It's crazy to me. This is truly crazy to me. And, um, you know, with a, about a minute to go before we have to pause for the first break, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know, In your years uh, of serving in the United States Air Force, the United States military, um, is this a common occurrence?
4: No, no, this isn't a common occurrence. I I can't remember any time in my own career when something like this has occurred. Um, Historically, I go back to uh, Matthias Rust from Germany who flew um, in the Cold War a Cessna 172 as a 16-year-old. He flew it from Helsinki, Finland, below the radar into Moscow's Red Square, um, the way that the Russians reacted to that was Gorbachev fired over 100 officers in the first day for that breach because the, the bubble was burst on the security wow. uh, that the thought the Russian army was providing.
1: That's crazy. Everybody stick around. We're on with General Blaine Holt, retired U.S. Air Force Newsmax contributor and uh, the founder of Restoring Liberty. We're going to get to that and more straight ahead with me, Rich Valdez. The numbers is 833-4-VALDEZ. Join the conversation. We're coming right back.
4: Afford Anything talks
3: about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about...
0: Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
1: All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Our guest is retired General Blaine Holt from the United States Air Force. He's the deputy uh, representative to NATO for the United States. He's a Newsmax contributor. You've seen him on television. He's an all-around great guy flew lots of planes, lots of hours in the air. He told about us he told us about last time. And I want to um, go to one of the callers. there's several callers on hold. I want to go to Robert in Charleston, South Carolina. He's got a question for the general. Go right ahead, Robert quickly.
6: Yes, I just wanted to say that um, as far as I know, ships are allowed to come within three miles of the American coast, and they're, and they're not considered to be a problem. And 60,000 feet is over 10 miles up, so why would that be a problem? That's over 10 miles away from American soil, actually.
1: All right, so your question is, is 60,000 feet up considered international territory? Thank you, Robert. General Holt.
4: Well, I appreciate that. Actually, the uh, the sea limitation is 12 miles Um, you're considered inside United States territorial waters at that point in time and subject to Coast Guard search if you've entered unauthorized. Um, In terms of flying over the United States landmass, that's a whole different ball of wax because aerial uh, air delivery from uh, vehicles above, if we don't know if they're friend or or what their intentions are, and they have no flight clearances, you know, uh, it gets back to this balloon. How do we know what they're doing besides taking pictures or gathering intelligence? as if that weren't bad enough, Um, that is bad enough. And when you see um, aircraft come into our airspace um, unopposed, well, then the Chinese military is taking note of that uh, for some other day or some other operation. And I can guarantee you if if the script was flipped and we had uh, aircraft flying into over the landmass of China uh, unannounced and unopposed, they, they they would shoot it down right away.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say, I mean, I I've seen people who've had their their drones taken out just for flying drones around, and you know, threatened sure. with arrest or you know, taken down. So I, I know you you just can't play around with um with the air. It's a uh, it's a big deal in a lot of places. All right, so General, I I wanna again uh, we left off with my question, which was with uh, respect to you know my naivete thinking, well, maybe this happens all the time and the media is hyping it up. So I asked you if you'd ever seen this and you said, no, not in your career. And you were in the military for a long time. So clearly I'm not that hyperbolic here. This is a big deal. This is very bad. In my opinion, they're, they're making a mockery of the United States. They're making a mockery of, of our air defense. They're making a mockery of our military and not the least of which is our commander in chief, Joe Biden. And to me, I think that's really what they're doing because if China can punk us, they can turn around and say, look, we just punked those guys. You know, we just had our balloon over there. And, you know, then they flex on top of that saying, oh, if we, like you mentioned, with, you know, we can use our satellite if we want to spy on you. We don't need that thing. And, and it seems like they're just trying to position themselves to one up the United States. And you know, something as I ki- grew up as a kid in the Reagan, Reagan era was that you, you really shouldn't let people one up you. Right. <laughs> because it goes from it goes from rhetoric to action. Am I, am I right here or am I wrong? What do you think? You
4: you absolutely are. It, it it gets back to the doctrine of peace through strength, or or in other words, if you want peace, prepare for war, and that means defending your nation um, constitutionally. The federal government is responsible via the Constitution under Article Four, Section Four, for the general security of the entire United States. That's their part of the bargain. And uh, when we see our southern border wide open um and under threat mm-hmm. from China working with the cartels to deliver fentanyl, or when now we see uh, aircraft uh, uh, via this balloon coming over, we don't know its intentions. We don't know what weapons are on board if there are any, or what the capability is. Now, I will leave a sliver a sliver. Uh, 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 of, of open judgment uh, for the case that maybe there's intelligence that the president and the defense department are in possession of that um, makes it the wise choice not to oppose this particular airplane at this time. But but after these balloons have passed out of our airspace, and hopefully we've trapped, shot them down, analyzed them, um, we're going to be given a full accounting of why we had to endure uh, a loitering balloon with potential military capabilities over american soil that that's reasonable that's absolutely reasonable that all americans would have that expectation
1: now and, and and just and to be fair to share that point with you what would such a scenario hypothetically look like where we say well we're getting certain intelligence um, you know what would that actually look like
4: you know uh <laughs> I have been talking to some military folks throughout the day, and none of us have come up with a very good answer for this. <laughs> so, so
5: I, just being you just be generous. Play
4: stump the dummy. <laughs> I, we, yeah, we are trying to find a scenario where any of this makes sense at all. The only thing that made sense from the get-go is uh, warning China that we see you have a balloon straying into our airspace. We're about to shoot it down, and then shooting it down. Um, and and this stuff about. You got to be credible when you make a statement to the United States and and when you say things like uh, well there's a threat to people on the ground if we shoot it down um you mean over sparsely populated Montana and you mean if i put a few bullets into the actual balloon itself it wouldn't just take a nice soft descent towards the earth which is the way we shot down balloons in Afghanistan it, it just it you if you're going to say why you're not doing things it has to be that we don't have a willing suspension of disbelief to kind of see through the story. And the the thing that I worry about is when we're told stuff like this, it just further weakens and weakens and weakens what we hear, like the stories we heard of why Kabul had to happen the way it did, or why there was absolutely no way we could avoid a war that we saw coming for <laughs> eight years. Um, right. We, we We get to the place where most Americans on both sides of the aisle sit there and say, gosh, I'm I'm really worried that I'm not being told very good information about the types of things happening. And if you want to go back to a precedent uh, on a balloon over the United States, I think we'd have to go back to Japan where uh, the Japanese in a last ditch effort put hydrogen balloons with incendiaries over the Pacific Northwest and in an attempt to create forest fires to maybe shift the tenor of the war at the last second. Um, that's the last time I can think of an unauthorized military balloon coming over. And when they say, oh, no, this is a civilian weather balloon, it's like there's no such thing as civilian in in the <laughs> CCP world. It's all right. PLA. And, and then the last point I would make is, Things are not going well at home for the Communist Party of China. They have death rates that are soaring. They've got this economy that's vaporized. They are telling their people to prepare for famine. Uh, their Belt and Road Initiative projects around the world are failing. Um, you you and, and this gets back to the Sun Tzu precept of war, which is when you are weak, appear strong. So here they are with their backs against the corner, their own people potentially looking at them as a as a revolutionary target. Mm-hmm. And and now we start to see destabilization. What does a Hail Mary pass to redirect the Chinese people look like in Xi Jinping's mind? Does that look like Taiwan? Does that look like probing for weakness in America? Um, you know, and that's why we're going to have to figure out as a nation. Uh, do we have any part of our leadership structure? I'm not just pointing out the administration that has an uh, inappropriate relationship with China at this time, given where we're at with them.
1: Outstanding. Uh, Everybody, that's General Blaine Holt, retired Air Force general. And you've seen him on Newsmax TV. And I want to switch gears because you were the uh, uh, deputy representative to NATO for the United States. And there's been a lot of talk about about planes about f fifteens or f thirty five or f16s or whatever it was uh, that they were thinking of of doing a trade on and and there was um, um I think your name is general Richards if I'm not mistaken from the United States Army was saying that we're trying to get some of the partners or allies of Russia like Cuba and Venezuela to get rid of their Russian equipment and perhaps in exchange for American equipment then um, I had a, a brief conversation with the Consul General of Poland last night and um And and I want to run some of that by you because I want to get your take on what's going on with F-15s. And if if they do get these airplanes, then it seems like I think there might be some action in this war and we might be able to end it. So don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right there. Don't move a muscle. He is General Blaine Holt, retired U.S. Air Force general, and you've seen him on Newsmax. I am Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back to you.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Is America at Night with Rich Valdez?
1: All right, America, we're on with General Blaine Holt, and we're discussing the possibility of aircraft being donated to Ukraine. General Holt, what can you tell us about it?
4: So, there's a lot of different possibilities and arrangements um, to get Ukraine aircraft. That is an essential that's missing from this war. You know, we're already in a military option, so the best thing to do is to try to get some sort of decisive uh, 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 operation going that can repulse the Russians and save Ukrainian lives. Air power is what's been missing from this battlefield for the Ukrainian side. Um, it's going to take them too long, quite honestly, uh, in my opinion, to learn how to fly F-16s in combat uh, or Western aircraft, but aircraft that the Ukrainian air force is already familiar with that are, are in the arsenals of like Poland. Um, and it, yeah, exactly. Mig 29s, uh, that Poland operates. Um, if, if Poland were to change out and upgrade into Western jets, then they would have a surplus potentially, uh, of jets that Ukraine knows how to fly to get them into their hands. Um, that, That is probably what would really help the Ukrainians out right now. They're in a very desperate situation. Uh, The Russians have taken the initiative in Donetsk in in the east, and they have forces massing in the north in Belarus, and then you have sea forces with hypersonic missiles that we're concerned might be forming up in the Black Sea. So um, Russia understands that there's higher technology coming to the battlefield. My expectation is, is that Russia will try to uh, mount a a pretty big offensive before, um, the, the weapon technology goes up from the West into Ukraine.
1: Wow. All right. That's, uh, that's a lot. And, and I guess my final question on that topic is what's your thought? And again, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but just your thought on does Putin release a nuclear weapon like a dirty bomb or something more sinister?
4: You know, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say that that's not in the cards because there's no tomorrow uh, for Russia. Um, If we were to bring all the weapons that we possibly could bring to bear uh, to include um, greater uh, military hands-on support, uh, even with the Russians uh, in a corner, um, I just don't see them. Uh, detonating a nuclear weapon on europe or or in the Ukraine, I also believe though that Putin and his own regime have no u turn out of this. Uh, they have a, a great amount of quantity in the Russian military forces, and they have proven time and time again they will sacrifice those forces in um, these these attrition battles where we see the casualty counts going. Incredibly, and so they're just going. The Russians are just going to keep throwing everything they have at this to grind down Ukraine. My my fear is that eventually Ukraine, based on numbers alone, will will be in greater and greater trouble the longer the Russians stay at this. What I haven't seen is any particular diplomatic initiative uh, from the United States, the EU, um, to get the Russians to some sort of table. My hope would be that. Any kind of decisive air power could um, alter that and potentially provide cover uh, to get folks to some sort of uh, uh, place to off ramp this war.
1: General, if I were to tell you five years ago, right, let's say 2018, if I were to say, hey, General Holt, we are five years away from a Chinese spy balloon just chilling on top of Montana, what would you have told me then?
4: (laughs) would have told you there is absolutely zero chance of that happening. No matter what political party is in office, uh, I would have told you that um, our military leaders always provide the best advice, the best apolitical advice uh, uh, to the command authority and the commander in chief, and that in under no circumstances would an event like we've seen this week play out. And um, but, you know, uh, since COVID began three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I think Americans have been treated to you can't make this stuff up or I've never even thought of that happening uh, mm-hmm. just about every month in this nation. And and here we are again with this eye opening. You, you have to be kidding me. The PLA Air Force is operating aircraft over American skies uh, without asking permission.
1: That's how I feel about the response that Putin has no U-turn. And I'm saying I disagree with you. I just feel like I think he's crazy to do it. I think China's crazy to do this. Yet they're doing it. Yeah. And and I'm just, uh, it's a fearful time, and I hate to be fearful, but I really am uh, nervous on this. Anyway, stick with us. We're going to take a quick pause right here, and then I want to talk about Newsmax censorship. So if you don't mind sticking around, General, we appreciate your time staying up with us late at night, live and national on hundreds of stations across America. There's a a ton of people that want to talk to you. I hope we have time to get to one or two of them. Uh, Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez and General Blaine Holt.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, I see a lot of people. We had a lot of calls. We've got, let's see, we got Jesse in Durango, Colorado on KDGO, Joseph in Canton, Ohio, WNIR, Bill in Rehoboth, Delaware, WXDE. We've got Mary in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri on KMA out of Iowa. And we got Claude in Akron, Ohio, WNIR. Let's start with Claude, see how many we got, uh how much time we got. Uh Claude, go right ahead. You're on with uh General Blaine Holt and Rich Valdez.
7: Yeah, very quickly. Thank you for your service, General Holden. And Rich, it's a great show. Uh well my oh, question is, is this. With all the situ- uh in the situation that's happening right now, uh and the disregard by the commander in chief, Joe Biden, uh Can this be an uh, act of treason?
1: Thank you, Claude. General?
4: Yeah, well, I really appreciate your question. Um, You know, there's so much to that. I understand the frustration in your tone. I I absolutely do. I hear it from all kinds of Americans. Um, But what, what I am reserving is judgment without having all the facts. And I would urge all Americans to kind of have that posture to be very watchful, to be very concerned. We should be concerned. Um, But I'm not willing to throw the T word uh, because there has to be more to this. That's one thing. Uh, And it still may be wrong. It still may be illegitimate. Um, uh, Certainly, um, our security in this country is paramount, and we have to ask questions, and we should. So what I would encourage is to get to these answers and to get your question completely answered Uh, melt down the switchboard of your senators and your congressmen and tell them that it's unacceptable to not understand what's going on with the security of this nation right now.
1: Outstanding. Good response, General. And with the uh, two to three minutes we have uh, remaining, I want to get your take on what's going on. You've got an excellent piece on Newsmax.com. The title is They're Coming for Newsmax. Are You Next?, and you know in my in my line of work, this business, I always feel that way, <laughs> right I'm always right. one uh, snide remark away from getting beat up by somebody. so uh you know wh- what's the story here? what's going on it's chilling,
4: it's absolutely chilling. So we saw this last year with o a n when uh, a t and t and uh and and, and direct t v their' boards made up of former obama administration uh, folks. Uh, that they decide we don't like this speech and they go to censor it, they'll they'll create some sort of ruse and say this is a business decision. But even those numbers and stories don't add up at all. Uh, Newsmax is a very profitable, uh, uh, great, uh, uh, fact-based journalism organization that just happens to be one of the conservative ones. And I think what's really telling in our nation is if if you happen to be on – on the, the right side of things, or, or the conservative side of things, and you see something you don't like on TV, you, you tend to just turn the channel and move right. on. And in the, if it's if it's flipped the other way around, they're going to come wipe you out, take away your Twitter account, knock you off the air, uh, dox you, uh, and in this case, uh, take 13 million lawyer, loyal viewers away from the access point to max. Newsmax.
1: It General, is insane, let me just
4: chilling and.
1: Let me just give this website out so that everybody can hear it. It's IWantNewsMax.com. If you want to join the fight, join General Holt, join President Trump, who's spoken out against this as well, in saying we can't allow that type of censorship to happen by AT&T and DirecTV. And I, I just want to make sure you have that website. It's IWantNewsMax.com. General, I hate to cut you short, uh, but the music means they're kicking both of us out of here. General Blaine Holt is the co-founder of Restore Liberty. You, you can get him on Newsmax TV. Check out his column there. General, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Great to be with you. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. All right, folks, there is more to come straight ahead. We're going to discuss what's going on with the NYPD and all sorts of crazy that's out there. Don't go anyway. Your calls and more. I'm Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, feel free to chime in on the social media, whether it's Truth Social, Twitter, Instagram. I put a lot of photos and stuff and video on Instagram, so you can check me out there. It's the same handle all across the board, at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S. Our phone number is 8334-VALDEZ, S-8334-825-337. And a couple of quick headlines. The Biden administration is continuing to project weakness to the world as the Pentagon refuses to take down the Chinese spy balloon. Now, of course, uh, President Trump, former President Trump, weighs in and he says, shoot it out of the sky. Better be huge. I'm ad-libbing. But yeah, that's what he said. And I agree with that. I think we should have shot this thing out of the sky a long time ago. And uh, the uh, folks in Congress, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, has officially subpoenaed the Department of Education over school board issues. I want to dig into that. We got to see if we get Jim Jordan back on the show, because I want to dig into that. That's a really good one. And... Uh, there's a bunch of other things I want to talk about, but there is a a clip of audio that I want to play for you. Now, this clip of audio is of what seemingly is a union that's been made of illegal aliens that have come across the southern border, found somebody that speaks English, and said, hey, you need to help us. We don't want to leave this hotel that Eric Adams, elite Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, he's uh, put us up in this wonderful hotel, and we don't want to leave now. They've built a new shelter for them, And I guess the hotels were just temporary housing. And now that they have to go, they're saying, no, we don't want to go. We came, we we traveled really long and hard to get here. And we got here and now we we want to use this hotel. Now, some of them were complaining that there's no running water in the hotel and many different things. But they were complaining nonetheless. And I just think, you know, um, I'm only complaining if I'm staying at a hotel that I'm paying for (laughs) But needless to say, one of their union rep or whoever this advocate of theirs is, he goes on to say that they need to defund the NYPD and reallocate that money so that they could afford to stay in the hotel. Check this out.
3: The immediate resolution is that the Hotel Watson needs to accept these men back and put them back into their rooms. The longer term solution is that to reallocate funding from overfunded departments like the NYPD into housing vouchers and other programs that get people into permanent, stable housing. These migrants have been getting moved all over New York City ever since they were bused here. The mayor can't figure out what to do with them. First, he stuck them in the Bronx, but then the residents got really upset. The mayor built a shelter on an island and stuck them there. He gave them Xboxes and popcorn machines and fluff and fold laundry service, even culturally appropriate snacks. That wasn't good enough. So the mayor put them up in hotels and then the migrants trashed the rooms. And then the migrants tossed all the free food in the garbage and set up makeshift kitchens in their rooms, even though their hot plates were fire hazards. They wanted more culturally appropriate snacks. We're cooking for them now.
1: So (laughs) that wasn't a joke. It wasn't a parody. That was actually on the Fox News channel on uh, Waters World. And it's sad to see that that's exactly what's happening right now, where they've created such a culture for those coming in, an expectation created by the Biden administration, in my opinion, colluding with the cartels and saying, yeah, come on. Come on in. I'll let you in. I got hairy legs. Don't worry. I'll let you in. I'll show you how it's done. Turning our border agents into travel agents and turning some of our wonderful big cities into these next dystopian nightmares. And to help us make sense of that and so much more that's going on. And we've got a mass exodus of police officers saying, I don't want to be a cop anymore. So I figured, you know what? We got to get a a, a cop's cop on the show. Retired NYPD lieutenant commander and Fox News contributor Joe Cardinale. Welcome, sir.
8: Good evening, Rich. Thanks for having me.
1: It's my pleasure. So, uh, Lieutenant, tell, tell me a little bit of uh, what's your gut reaction to when you hear this union guy or this, this representative, this advocate of theirs, say, you know, we've got to defund the NYPD because they're overfunded to begin with so that they could stay in the hotel.
8: I don't know. Call me kooky, but uh, I thought unions represent the working uh, individuals. Um, uh, I, I just don't get it. What kind of union? This is just a representative. There is no union here. All right. They're trying to make it that way. But this is disgusting that they're taking this to this level. And Mayor Adams is to blame for this, believe it or Mm -hmm. not, because he allowed it. He he uh, cultivated it. All right. He welcomed everybody over here. He uh, challenged Texas and Texas says, "Okay, no problem. We'll send him up there. And he didn't have a plan. And now he's uh, down at the border saying, oh, we have to come up. We have to do something. But you know what? The, The horse is already out of the gate, out of the barn, gone. All right. And this is what happens. This is the residual effect that people are starting to see when they do not secure the border. And what really amazes me is that they'll do so much for everybody coming across the border illegally. But our veterans that are freezing on the streets do not get this kind of treatment.
1: Yeah, this is really sad. And and you make you make a lot of good points. And, you know, right before um, you, you were coming on, I just wanted to see what kind of police headlines were out there. And because there's always something going on and people, I think, don't give cops enough credit. Uh, I got two brothers that were on the job, NYPD, and um, I I saw firsthand how difficult it was. But I'm looking at some headlines here. 32 minutes ago, CBS News, lawmakers and advocates aim to prioritize police reform after fatal beating of uh, Tyree Nichols. Uh, Let's see. 17 hours ago, Tyree Nichols' death. Can Memphis change its police culture? Uh, NBC News. Um, why some who experience police confrontation say Tyree Nichols was right to run. And they're just seizing on this uh, very unfortunate situation to try to kind of change the narrative that, you know, you got five, six bad cops, whatever it was, uh, to try to say, we've been telling you all along you shouldn't have cops. We've been telling you all along this is a racist construct. We've been telling you all along that we should defund these guys. Um, what do you make of, of this narrative? You know,
8: this is just their way. And I I say their way. It's the likes of the Reverend of the Great Divide, which is Al Sharpton, who has been doing this for years. For years. He has never once tried to get the community and the police departments together. He has always been on the angle of us against them. All right. And when you have that kind of mentality from uh, an individual like him that gets, you know, worldwide attention, and it really is negative attention in, in so many ways. This is what happens. What happened to Tyree Nichols should have never happened, period. All right. These were not cops. They were thugs in uniform. They should have never been put on the job to begin with. They were left unsupervised and they were an entity unto themselves doing whatever they wanted to do. This is not the way police departments operate. Now, Richard, don't get me wrong. Going way back into the NYPD's history, we've had some incidents that were, definitely black eyes and stains on a department that still come to this day. We've had uh, cops that actually did hits for the mob, right? We had uh, incidents with Abner and look what happened then.
7: Mm-hmm.
9: All right? yeah. So
8: we've had our incidents, but the difference is, and the public just doesn't see it because they're not allowed to see it, is that the police department cleans up their crimes, all right? And it comes from within. Anytime you see things happening, most— always comes from within the department, another cop will turn them in, because nobody wants to work next to these guys. The Dowds, you know, all, the, all these individuals, we, we don't want to work with them, all right? But it's come to a point right now where the cops are damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. They're stymied by every, every politician that, that's out there. I mean, there was a, an article in The Post about how the city is paying $121 million for NYPD misconduct. But they don't break it down the way it should be. The cops, any time a cop does anything wrong that they deem wrong, the city's willing to pay out right away. They don't want to go to trial with these cases, nothing. And the cops are demonized on every level, from within the department by some people, from the mayor's office, the ex-mayor de Blasio, all right, and Adams, who used to be on the NYPD, should understand more than anybody that this job needs to become the pristine job it was at one time. But with the numbers, with the exodus that's happening right now, it's going to take a decade to get the uh, NYPD back to where it should, have, should be, the numbers.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, Lieutenant Commander Joe Cardinali, retired NYPD. Part of the, the the reason I think it's important to talk about this, we're, we're on hundreds of stations across America, and we're talking about a local New York issue. But in my opinion, this is a national issue because as New York goes, so do so many departments in the country. And and we so much of what the the left tries to experiment with and implement happens in New York. It happens in California, and then they roll it out everywhere else, saying, "Look at how successful it was." And and this is why you have guys like these, these national uh, leaders when it comes to uh, the grievance industry and the race baiting and race hustling, uh, like Al Sharpton, these guys are New Yorkers. So I, I think it's important that we highlight the things that are happening in New York. And when we see police departments like the NYPD, probably the most diverse police department um, that I can think of anywhere, probably on the planet, when you see a department like that bleeding people, and, and retirements are up and people are just walking away from the job, it, it, it should be uh, sounding the alarm, but sadly it's not. So when we come back, I want you to tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that, on this, this problem with um, this mass exodus of uh, police staff. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're on with Joe Cardinale. He's a retired NYPD lieutenant commander. You've seen him on Fox News where he's a Fox News contributor, and he's our guest uh, until the bottom of the hour. So don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez.
7: How can we make some progress on police reform of consequence and the violence in our communities? And uh, I assume that's the primary thing we're going to talk about.
1: All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. That clip was of the president, Joe El Baboso Biden. And Joe El Baboso Biden saying, we need to have a uh, police reform. And I'm thinking, how about reforming the criminals? Because uh, the police don't need too much reforming. Okay, so you got these bad guys uh, that you know occasionally do bad things, these bad cops. You root them out, you get them out. By and large, most cops are not bad guys. I don't think we need to reform the good guys. We need to reform the bad guys. And yet, President Biden won't let any opportunity opportunity slip by where he can you know pander to the base and the base hates the police so what happens now the police are saying we're not interested in being here anymore we, we're gonna leave because you know if we're not wanted my boy i'm leaving our guest is joe Cardinali, retired nypd lieutenant commander and fox news contributor so lt tell us what you think about this uh mass exodus of police officers
8: well what did they expect after they uh, not only defunded, they dismantled and demoralized the police departments across this nation. And people forget that the first line of defense for this nation is our police departments. And the fact that they would go against them from a, you know, and it's always the radical individuals that start these movements. I mean, they have professional protesters right now that get right up in the cop's face and they'll spit right on them and they're allowed to get right in their face and they're never prosecuted for that. This bail reform was was the worst idea that ever came out of, uh, out of the governor's office. But it was flipped in the middle of the night, and people just don't understand it. And that's the problem today. People do not understand their police departments. They don't know what their police departments do. They base their decisions about policing on a few individuals like we saw with Tyree Nichols. And that's sad. But when you have the president going along with that, instead of saying, let, "Whoa, well, let's put the brakes on this. Let's just turn around and let's do something. You want reform, let's do some kind of reform that the police departments will work with the public and say, what do you want us to do? What can we do to change? And tell them in, in a forum, well, that's not practical. That can't work like that. Right? But when you take the indemnification away from the NYPD offices, and you leave them out there to dry, and you say, well, even if you do the job you're trained to do, You're on your own if anything happens, and that's exactly what happens. They go after their job, they go after their homes, and they go after their families. Who would want to take a job like that? That's why the numbers are so low right now. Rich, the NYPD is working six years without a contract. The average Mm -hmm. cop today is doing 70 hours a week with overtime because the the staffing is so low. The detective bureau is stretched to the max, All right, and the, the detectives are triaging their cases like a hospital. They're taking those felony crimes, and they're starting with them and working their way down. And sometimes the quality of life crimes, they don't go by the wayside. They just don't get the attention that they deserve to get. And it's because of what's happening in New York. You lost the higher echelon that would be there to train them. And this is the scary part about policing across America. What you saw happen in Memphis all right, Mm -hmm. is going to happen again if they don't start choosing the right candidates right now they're looking to fill the slots with anybody and that's the most dangerous recipe you can have for policing you need to get into the uh, recruiting stage where the first will make this the job that somebody would want to lose you know that it would mean something to lose this job right, right now it's that and they don't have that right now this used to be the pristine job across america everybody came into new york city to become an nypd officer My list had forty thousand people on it. You're lucky if you get fifteen hundred people today that are qualified candidates to do anything. That's like really shooting the, uh, shooting it high for everybody. But they really need to change. And unless the community gets involved with this and says enough with these politicians that do not speak for us, all right? They think they speak for them, but they don't, all right? You need to get your cops back. The merge happened in nineteen ninety five. It brought in the uh, the housing. Uh, bureau, the housing, housing and, uh,
1: and the, um, and the
8: transit police the Trans- department into the NYPD. And everybody said it was a great idea, but some of the, uh, those, those, you know, entities lost the, the, you know, the personal touch that they had at the time. So right now they're so low in numbers. And like I said, they don't have anybody training them. If you would have had experienced officers into specialized units and maybe the public would say, you know what, this is a good idea. Let's go along with this. But Honestly, I would love to go before the city council and say, "All right, look what you've done to this department. What do you intend to do to bring it back to the way it was?" And their answer is nothing. Their answer is nothing
1: and right I they want they want to eliminate the department
8: the exactly they want they want a step for the police department all right they want to you know they want they want it to be like uh, over in Russia where they you know have a, one police department that does everything across Russia, and that's the way it is, but it doesn't work in America. we're all in unique cities, unique states. And unique communities that need their personal policing. All right, what works in New York doesn't work in Montana.
1: I remember being a kid. I'm 44, and I grew up in Brooklyn, moved to Jersey. And when I was a kid, everybody was strapped. Women, moms were packing switchblades. Everybody was on the D train, the Q train, um, with with some si- with some sort of weapon. Sleewa was out there with the guardian angels. Uh, I don't know that we're there yet. I still think it's the bad guys that are armed. But how long, how longer before everybody's getting armed to protect themselves from what's going on?
4: I think it's in the
8: process right now, but Governor Hochul has put, you know, uh, has stymied that, uh, that that process as well, saying where they can uh, carry and where you can carry, who can carry yeah. and where. I mean, they, she's going against everything that's over there, but you're right. I'm a, I'm Brooklyn born and raised, and, and I firmly believe that we are getting back to the days where people are going to start defending themselves, and it's going to raise the numbers and it's going to make the community, you know, less less safer because of it and because they just don't have the police department to do their job. You know, right. we're nothing but a reactive force right now. We're not a proactive force. And why are we not doing proactive policing? Because we can't afford to. We can't afford to monetarily because they pay everything out in overtime and they're afraid, especially moving forward, Rich. Moving forward, you will not see specialized units across this country going into neighborhoods because of what happened in Memphis. They've set us back. Just when some of the communities said, you know what? They're right, we need the anti-crime units, we need this. They're gonna hold back and say, nope, because look what happened over there. And they are taking five thugs from Memphis and this is what it does.
1: Folks, Lieutenant Commander Joe Cardinale, NYPD, retired. He's on Fox News. Lieutenant, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. Godspeed to you, sir. Same to you, my friend. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Folks, straight ahead, we're going to talk with Judd Dunning about packing heat in the Second Amendment. So don't go anywhere. It's Valdez, eight three three four valdez if you want to join us. Open phones coming up later.
0: 4 That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's VALDEZ with an S.
1: All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, and I want to continue the conversation uh, with our buddy Judd Dunning from Bullet Point Nation, bulletpointnation.com and juddunning.com, and he's got that book, uh, we talked a little bit about the prequel or the 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 predecessor to the to the book, 13 and a Half Reasons to Love America." Judd Dunning, welcome, sir.
3: Oh, uh, good to be back. Thank you for having us. God bless America.
1: Amen to that, my brother. So, I wanted to talk to you about a plethora of things. Uh, it's the Friday night potpourri, but I wanted to talk about your latest piece on Newsmax.com uh, because I thought. This is pretty interesting. Um, there, there's always talk about the Second Amendment. We saw these big strides for the Second Amendment that were made when um, over the summer when the Supreme Court ruled that, um, you know, yes, you can carry. And then, you know, certain states went to town, states like New York uh, w- had just lost. And now they're saying, well, you can't carry you can't carry anywhere, but you can carry, you know, so you can carry inside your house, if you like. And, and it, it seems like they're obviously uh, what they're doing, what they're proposing flies in the face of the spirit of the law. So um, talk to us a little bit about your piece on Newsmax.com.
3: You know, it's actually interesting because I originally started this piece to talk about the Jungian shadow of America. Because if you really look at what holds the First Amendment in place, mm-hmm. it is the right for like just war personally in our personal Bill of Rights. through the First Amendments, the first, second, and the number of the amendments, 8th and Ninth. is is saying that we can murder (laughs) if there's tyranny. And I wrote the piece, and they're like, hey, it's too dark, it's too dark, Judd. Rewrite the piece. Because really, it was about the fact that if we want to hold our voice in America in these very strange gaslighting times, we have to hold in one hand our shadow. And our shadow is that America has 464 million guns held by 77 million Americans that actually hold this in place and the majority of the world doesn't have that structure there's only like three or four other countries in the world that have constitutional rights for guns at the level we do and it's a beautiful and powerful uh... you know renaissance that happened after what happened with the supreme court so do americans hold that knowledge of how important this renaissance is and how rare it is as well
1: yeah listen i'm with you on this i'm with you all the way on it and for me, I feel that um, this is where it gets a little dicey. It gets dicey because there's the truth and then there's what people want to make of the truth. And I think there's a whole industry, a whole cottage industry of people, a.k.a. the left, that they make a living on saying, well, you know, the th- this Second Amendment and all the rest of these amendments and the entire Bill of Rights, heck, the entire Constitution – it is, you know, it's outdated. It's anachronistic. It's uh, it's a living, breathing document that was written by, you know, racist, uh, colonialist white men. And and they try to, I guess, minimize and devalue our founding documents. And our country, honestly, and the founding of our country, to the point where you know it's it's known, it's a known thing, or it's it's normalized with so many people, especially younger people, that hey, no, if you're talking about the Second Amendment, you must be one of those crazies. And and how do we overcome an obstacle like that?
3: Really interesting because when you're talking, I'm also thinking about the homogenization of making us part of like the world community. Like, oh, you're part of yeah. the world community, you should be global global and, you know, citizen. When you, Right, and when you homogenize us into everyone, everyone doesn't have gun rights. They don't have the specific gifts of America. And that's what our next book about is, 13 Half Reasons to Love America and How to Stop the Angry Woke Left from Destroying the America We Love. But the first half of the book is reflecting on how powerful these things are. And look, you know, the the next generation needs to know the specific fact uh, in the specific points just to defend to the logic of America that is good, that is not deconstructing. Uh, interesting enough, I was with the AEI uh, uh, in Los Angeles at one of their events last night. And one of the speakers was discussing a great point, a distinctive point for millennials. He was saying, do you realize that actually that, that I'm a student uh, student loan crisis denier because as student debt goes up, income goes up, and each year the amount of student debt relative to income created by higher education goes down. So it's a lie that Americans are going to be so buried in student debt that we need to forgive it. And then there was another fact that was so great, just a fact, and that's the people under $5,000 of student debt mostly default. The people that have 100000 rarely ever default. So we're not swimming in debt that we need to pay off the American student debt. It's a similar thing with guns. We are, if you really understand the guns, uh, guns and how much they protected us. You look at the waves of crime and look at how we're still so much lower than prior times in America, and how gun zones are freer. If you know these facts, and we keep empowering them and coming back with a counter dialogue, it's really all we can do. You know, the machine is so big from big tech and mainstream media and fake science and you know fake facts. It's gotten so there's so much hyperbole. We have to keep just pressing the dialogue of those, those you know, those zingers that are the truth that deconstruct the whole conversation.
1: All right, folks, we're on with Judd Dunning, and uh, we're going to continue this conversation with Judd Dunning. Check out his website, bulletpointnation.com. You can also check him out at juddunning.com. His book, 13 and a Half Reasons to Love America, uh, I would definitely um check out a copy of that. I I recommend getting two copies so you can give one away to somebody who could benefit from it, Uh, preferably somebody who disagrees. Kind of enlighten them. And we're going to be coming back with um, this conversation, a couple of other items, some of your calls as well. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. Our guest is Judd Dunning. We're coming right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
3: I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time.
0: America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Our phone number is eight three three four valdez 8334 valdez is the number. And we're on with Judd Dunning. Make sure you check out his website, bulletpointnation.com. And you can check him out at juddunning.com as well. His book, 13 half Reasons to Love America, I recommend getting a couple of copies of it. And Judd Dunning, tell us a little bit about the book. I remember you told us about the, the first uh, installment of the book, and you were working on the second one when we spoke last time. Tell us about this new version.
3: Great. You know, and I just want to make <laughs> it's at the publisher right now, so it's not out yet. We just uh sent it over, so we're in the process. These things take Excellent. time. But we feel pretty great about this one. Um the first book was 13 and a half reasons why not to be a liberal and how to enlighten others. And if you go through that premise, it goes to the entire ideological argument and we give you the questions, the meta questions, the big the detailed questions. Because conservatives really, in this particular time, even independents or Democrats need to know the facts and how to defend them. So, you know, we we really took that labor of love. So that original book, uh, hopefully it's a timeless classic, I think it is, so that you can argue, because so many of the facts are so simple and so true. And that's really where they want to deceive America and say, that oh, red state Americans uh, lack intelligence. The biggest lie, Rick, the biggest lie is that Americans... Uh, in red states or whatever, lack a certain intelligence than people in blue states and other parts, that's a complete rationalization. That's not even true. If you look at the the distribution of wealth in the United States, well, it doesn't only concentrate in those areas as well. A lot of the the richest states are all throughout the country. So the second book, Thirteen Half Reasons to Love America, was interesting because while Biden is destroying the beauty of the Trump era and his 378 major policy achievements, I said, you know what? This country does not belong to a disconnected group of elites, both on the left and the right, without a deconstructionist like Trump in the office. So why can you and I go out and trash America or make money or shoot a gun or be free or express ourselves and have so much radical freedom? It's because 90 percent of this great country is outside of government's reach, and it's awesome. And if we keep in that place, I call Peg positivity, enthusiasm, and gratitude as Americans, and that experience for exceptionalism, that's really the thing that drives us to fight for freedom. So the book itself, we go through the different, you know, different elements of the country, we broke it down, but at the end of each chapter, we wrote the shadow side of every superlative, because I never trust anybody who's too positive, that doesn't talk about (laughs) the problem. And then we break down how socialists are very sophisticated, cultural Marxists, globalists, technocrats, are trying to deconstruct America, guys like you being watchdogs to keep that in the public eye, and then what to do about it. So it's another kind of handbook approach, but I just do it because I'm trying to keep my eyes open, and that's kind of the mode that our books operate on.
1: Outstanding. Folks, we're on with Judd Dunning. Uh, Dunning JuddDunning.com. Check out his first book, uh, 13 and a half Reasons Why Not to Be a Liberal, and as soon as it's available for pre-order, I recommend getting 13 and a half Reasons to Love America. Now, you were just telling us a little bit about the new book and how it contrasts with with the first book, uh, but without, you know, giving everything away and in, in so much as you can tell us, what's, uh, I guess, maybe one of your favorite of the 13 and a half Reasons that you haven't mentioned thus far uh, why to love America?
3: Oh, wow. Well, you know, I mean, we were touching upon guns. The shadow side is so it's so beautiful and powerful and rare. You know, if I just can get back to what I was saying, there's only like, you know, three countries in the world that actually have our level of freedom. So this tenuous balance is held in place with violence. And that's human nature. That's the beauty of this whole situation is the, the way the founders set this up. It was so that it would explode under tyran- tyrannical rule, right? And it's still in place. So the Constitution itself is just amazing. I was with the ambassador of Uruguay, and we were talking about how he's teaching the Constitution now and how many people are just torn away from it. And it, it's so beautiful. Just get a copy of the Constitution and, and carry it around. It, it will cover the majority of this. You know, I think one of the things that we forget in our country one of the most powerful things that we have in our country, really, though, is, is, is the power of our, of our drive and our free market system to select and refine outside of government. And the same thing happens in government. We're supposed to, if our electoral system is actually unencumbered, which is questionable, if our DOJ isn't contaminated, which is contestable, that actually our voting structure in America is a free market system structure the representative republic? republic of our system if Mm -hmm. unencumbered and if not contaminated which nobody knows anymore i'm going to say it's partially contaminated for sure is really an amazing process that's really kept our country great and so it feels like everything's falling apart right now and that biden's is just destroying our country and we're going to end up like europe but the truth is if you look at the power of America's rotational system, there's so many elements between our legal system and our free market system and our, the, the free market system of our voting system that we're a special, we're a Goldilocks zone of an amazing country. So, I mean, there's so many things I could talk about. The whole book is about gratitude.
1: Outstanding. And I just want to remind everybody that uh, they could keep up with what you're doing at juddunning.com, Judd with two Ds, Dunning with two Ns, juddunning.com. Judd Dunning, I want you to stick with us for one more segment because I want people to know a little bit about, uh, in addition to writing books, you're also on the radio and you you have a column and, and there's other things you're doing. And I want people to know exactly how they could follow you and keep up with the work that you're doing. And I want to do that straight ahead. So keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. He's Judd Dunning. We're coming right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America. This is Night. This is Rich
1: Valdez. All right, America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S and our guest is Judd Dunning. That's two D's and two N's at bulletpointnation.com. Judd, tell us about the radio program that you do.
3: Yeah, great. And I also dropped this. I guess the easiest way to track us is Twitter, Judd Dunning at Twitter, Instagram, Truth Social, everything, just three D's, two N's, Judd Dunning. Thank you so much for that. All that. That's nice. Um, Yeah, the radio show's been great, man. You know, we kind of tried to do this Tucker thing, right? We're right we're on right after uh Shapiro and the uh, on 870 here. You know, and uh, I I have a background in comedy, so we'd open up with, you know, laying down a, you know, comedic Tuckeresque mix, have a couple guests. And you know, in, in LA, you know, just being rational you're a radical here. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I I tell you I, I was having like, I was having an unmasked men's meditation meeting in my backyard and I got three permit violations. Uh, and they're like, <laughs> the guy hops my fence. I'm like, what are you doing in my yard? He goes, what are you doing wrong? I said, I don't know. He said, I said, he said, well, people keep calling in your house. <laughs> it costs <laughs> like a hundred thousand dollars of permit violations because wow. I was like just talking about the truth in LA. I mean, this is definitely a different world. We're, we're actually half in, in Texas now. So, So we're going back and forth between the two states and exploring a little bigger freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that. And then also, you know, I am doing a show in Vegas soon. And, but my joy is writing these articles, Judd Dunning at Newsmax, just punch it in. You can sign it up right now. uh, And we're doing a, I'm in the middle of a three part series. And I was thinking about uh, over the holiday, like where have we lost trust and what is it to have trust in America? And what is trust made of? And the first thing that violates trust is lies. And the second is hypocrisy. That's that false face when you're acting like something and doing, doing another, right? And the third one are the open betrayals. So I've written two articles on there. The first one, the biggest lies to reject in the, in the prior year. And then we wrote about the hypocrisies, which, is, oh, which are different. And then if you look at then behind that, like what are the betrayals? What are the open betrayals? Which is what I'm writing now. So we're in a three part series there. I did drop the one in guns in the middle, but you know, I love the, bil- the ability to it's Jordan Peterson says, if you really want to think write, and then talk about what you write. So as you know, as a host, that's kind of what you do all day is talk to us who write and uh, mm. uh, you know, you get to go a little deeper and make sure that you're not only talking in abstract theory, but you know, hopefully piercing the veil and puncturing some holes in that liberal thought balloon.
1: Amen. Well said. Folks, you can find him at Judd Dunning on the social media at these uh, websites, bulletpointnation.com and juddunning.com. And again, the book is 13 and a half reasons to love America. Keep an eye out for it when it comes out. When is it due to drop, Judd?
3: Well, I mean, I'll, we'll rip the veil off. <laughs> so I was on the air with, uh, with Bob Sellers on American Agenda, which you can see me on Fridays there uh, very often. I bounce around on those shows. And he's like, Jud, when are you going to make that next book? You know, and it's only been like a year and a few months since the last one. And he just kept doing it. So he goes, when's the book? I'm like, Bob, stop shaming me. So I, I literally <laughs> like went and got a cabin and I, I, I wrote the book. So we did like a 70 page outline, which takes a lot of time, a lot of thinking. And that's in with the, with the publishers now. And they're giving us our blessing. And then the last time what we did is my dad had died. And my dad used to say, oh, you know, to God well, thank you. He was 80. He had a good life.
1: And and, my dad died uh, at 82.
3: Up, yeah, it's a good life right now, you know, especially for, for, the, for, the, uh, for the unvaxxed. No, <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> so, he, <laughs> he,
3: we, <laughs> so he got up there and, uh, uh, you know, he had passed and he had said two words. He said, son, you know, if government, uh, if you hear about government all, all the time, he goes, something's wrong. You know, he said, we shouldn't be hearing about government all the time. He said, government should take the, stay the heck out of our business. And I said, you know, that's all I ever heard from him. You know, he was really subtle about our Republican roots. And uh, so I went up there with Eric Golb and we sat there and we just studied and we wrote and we studied and we studied. And I wanted to be convinced that there was something redeeming in the liberal ideology because I'd been one when I was younger and I couldn't find a a fact to support it. So the same thing, you know, we're we've now got the full outline done. We're descending into the well. And I'm pretty confident that when I go go into the well, because I know already America's awesome. Right. And that if we ever forget how great this country is and they don't own it, we do. They work for us. If we stay in that in those the, the great quote by Teddy Roosevelt, that you know, only everybody's equal in America, but only by their demerit or merit are we different. Meaning it's a metocracy. And as mm-hmm. long as we stay in that, we don't go to this globalist, homogenized, liberal lunacy, wishery that we should be something part of it. If I and not to go on, but the last thing is I can't stand globalism because. When you take power, and you take money, and you disassociate it from country, it's psychotic. It's not rooted in our American values. Globalism is a disease. Moral relativism is a disease, and we have to stay on, on a vigilant watch.
1: Well said. Judd, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. It was a pleasure to, to have you, and I'm looking forward to when the book comes out. It sounds like a really—and and by the way, Eric Golub, is he Tiger Express? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. it's so funny. I, I used to Aaron be on a, on a book. yeah, I used to be on a on one of his mailing lists a million years ago, and then we both actually at the same time wrote a column at the Washington Times, and I think I met him once, really good guy, and always had really good things to say. So it must be a terrific book if you and him were collaborating on it. Uh, Judd Dunning is our guest, and uh, I want to thank you, Judd, for being with us.
3: Honor and pleasure. God bless America. We'll talk to you soon.
1: You too, brother. Enjoy. All right, folks, straight ahead we've got open phone america open phone america where you get to weigh in your calls on just about any topic and i'm going to go back to some of the topics i mentioned at the top of hour number one uh for some of you who only get two hours of this program you're in for a treat so don't go anywhere it's rich valdez the phone number is 833-482-5337-8334 valdez it's america at night and open phone america is coming up right now Hi there, good evening and what's up America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And if you want to join the conversation, now's the time to do it. We are definitely, uh, you know, during the show we get to a couple of calls, you know, based on the topics that our guests have. But right now, it's open phone across America. If you're just tuning in, welcome to the program I am Rich Valdez, this is America at Night, and we are going to jump into a bunch of different things. Eight three three four valdez is the phone number, and I'm looking at a piece in the post-millennial. This is a good one. Uh, Interesting story here, Uh, and mainly because it was an eye-catching, you know, image, right? There's this huge guy, right? So I'm about 220 pounds, Um, I wear like a size 46 or 48 suits, I have pretty broad shoulders, This guy, I don't know, looks like a size 50. I don't know, maybe even 60. I mean, this guy's huge. He looks like a linebacker. And uh, and I keep saying guy, and I'm probably misgendering him. This individual is huge. Looks like a WWE wrestler. Long hair, glasses, pink lipstick, pink hoodie that says trans rights are human rights. And goes by the name of, uh, and again, he is a biological male, but he goes by the name of Amber Mom. And Amber Mom was giving a testimony in front of a a hearing at the Minnesota House Committee in favor of Minnesota becoming a trans refuge state for people seeking out-of-state medical sex changes. Listen to some of this.
2: My name is Amber Mom. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, I'm A member of the Saint Cloud Hive of the Parents and Allies of Trans Youth, the Transgender Movement for Liberation, and a member of the Tea Time support group run by the Aliveness Project. I am also a proud transgender woman, but more importantly, I am the mother of two wonderful transgender and gender expansive children. I drove down from St. Cloud to show let's, my support. Let's
1: pause that for a second. Hold on a second. Now, I, again, I, I don't mean to be insensitive, right? I mean, this is the person that's out there giving this hearing in front of everybody, public statement. But you can hear by this person's voice that, and by the image, this is a very large, big, strong person. And 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 when you say that you're the the mom, when you're you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to say clearly not the mom because, you know, then I'll get in trouble. But but it, it sure appears that way. And it's just so odd to see this happening. And I feel like, you know, here I am try, being sheepish about this. Why isn't everybody else saying, excuse me, sir? What is going on here? Because it, this is clearly out of the norm. And since when is this okay? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I, I, I need to expand my horizons. Go ahead.
2: House File 146 and thank Representative Finke for introducing such an important and life-saving bill to protect trans children and their families at such a critical time for us. As you may be aware, there's a torrent of damaging, ill-informed, and outright malicious legislation being introduced across the country targeting transgender and gender expansive people broadly, but trans children in particular.
1: I told it again. Our- What's happening right here is not anything targeting anyone if anything this is targeting the protection of children right this this man this individual this trans woman is advocating for children to come from other states for medical surgery for uh, surgical sex change operations come on all right to make this a safe haven a safe space if you're thirteen and you can't get your your you're, you can't get castrated or you can't get a mastectomy because you're too young or whatever and whatnot. I mean, j- let's just think about this for a second, right? There are states where there's something called parental notification, right? And in parental notification, parents have to be aware that their kid wants to get an abortion. So just imagine we get to the level here where it's like, well, I wanted to get a mastectomy, but, you know, in my state, I have to let my parents know. So I'm going to go to uh, Minnesota and in Minnesota, you know, thanks to Amber Mom and Representative uh, Lee Finke, well, now I can go ahead and get whatever I need to get mutilated and have this sex change surgery by the time I'm 14 or get um, puberty blockers or or get hormones. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to stop talking about this because I think this is, It's wrong. I think if you're 16, 15, 14, 12, 13, and you're like, I feel like I'm trapped in the wrong body, you should start some therapy. You should start talking to a doctor. You should figure out, is this person low in testosterone? If they're a boy, is this person low in, or whatever hormone, you know, see an endocrinologist, see what's going on. There's a reason why for hundreds of years, gender dysphoria was seen as a mental illness, and all of a sudden now it's not. And instead of trying to help people I identify as who they actually are, they say, you know, you can identify as who you want to be. And and th- to me, it's, it's just, it's so unfair to a kid. You know, there was a girl named Chloe Cole. There was an article, several articles, and we played some audio on this program, maybe about a month and a half ago. And in my world, a month and a half could be three months. But we played this audio of Chloe Cole, and she was doing a press conference, and she was um, a guest speaker of uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I remember this girl, I think she's 20 or 21, and I have a daughter that's that age. And, and hearing her story, I was just so moved by it because she says that when she was a child, she, you know, 13 or 12 or something like that, she, she wanted to uh, experiment with this idea because, again, it was introduced to her at school. It was all over her social media. It's the new normal. So she went for it. She mentioned it to a doctor and they immediately started her. And you know, and I, I'm thinking, if they immediately start you, are there doctors out there pushing this type of thing? And ultimately she gets to the doctor and her parents are there and the doctor tells her parent, uh, both her parents, Yeah, if if you can either have a, a, a daughter that becomes a son that's alive or you can probably have a dead daughter because, you know, the suicide rate is incredibly high. Now, what what I think really needs to be told here is that the suicide rate is high in particular for the ones that transition. And I think this is something that they have to pay very close attention to because those that don't go with the um, puberty blockers and don't go with the surgery, mutilation, mastectomy, whatever it is, and wait, things get better for them. And they do heal. And they're they're all out there. And they even have their own day called detransition day. So I just find it uh, fascinating that this is what's going on in the. Uh, and again, everybody's got a right to free speech. I'm not saying the guy can't talk about it. He's talking about it. I'm talking about it. Uh, the point is, we should have these conversations. But people need to know because I'm pretty sure if we had a weighted scale and people were weighing in on this, I think people, you know. We were, we've been accustomed to saying, well, listen, hey, look, as long as what you're doing doesn't bother me, I'm fine with it. And guess what? Now it's bothering you. And you're, you're thinking, Rich, it's not really bothering me. You're just a homophobe. No, that's not the case. What, what, what is the case is if you have children in a public school, there are teachers out there with little puppets. And the little puppet is, oh, I don't know if the puppet's a boy. I don't know if the puppet's a boy. It's just a puppet. It's just a kid. Right? Trying to erase gender so that kids are now saying, well, when I grow up, I want to be a boy. When I grow up, I want to be a girl. You know, when I, my little kid, my little girl, she, when she was, she was in preschool. At her graduation, they had to write what they wanted to be when they grew up. And she said that she wanted to be a lawyer and a watermelon. Come on. She was four and a half years old or five. I think four and a half. There's, no world should exist where children tell their parents what to do right that 's the whole reason that we have parents, and there, there there comes an age of accountability, and then you move on i don 't know if you think i 'm wrong, you think i 'm right, whatever it is. I want to know your thoughts on this uh, because uh, I just think this is out of control. my opinion, uh, but i 'd like to hear yours eight three three four Valdez eight three three four valdez of course we 've also talked about the spy balloon that was all over the place. it was over Montana, uh, and then Missouri. Then we also talked about what's going on with the police and the defunding of the police. And I've got some pretty cool audio from uh, AOC All Out Crazy, as well as Rashida Tlaib, the two congressmen, uh, half of the squad. And a couple of more things that I want to talk about. Plus, there's an update on the lawsuit from the uh, rejected man. He's getting countersued by the girl that he was in love with and then sued because she wouldn't hook up with him. So we're going to get to all of that and more. Don't go anywhere. Again, the phone number 8334 Valdez. I am Valdez, and we'll be right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. bald and he's breaking it down it's america at night with rich valdez
1: all right america welcome back i am rich valdez valdez with an s at rich valdez on all of the social media and i want to get to your calls 4 valdez let's go to ohio whiz check in with paul hey paul what's going on
9: hey good evening well it's friday night and i'm sitting here listening to your show all, All right. right. Good night. Well, that makes well, two of us. Saturday morning, now I guess. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, your introduction there to, to this hour—you're talking about the transgender and so forth. Well, yes. Rich, I've heard you say that you're in job. You was in job and family services at one time. Yes. Well, well isn't this a form of
1: child abuse? I mean, that's come my on. opinion. I mean, it is my yeah, opinion that, that the, if you are a parent of a child and and you're allowing this to happen, that it should be considered abuse, and this is why these people are having. Uh, these hearings because they want to codify this into law so that there's a law on the books so that they're protected. And I'm thinking, what about every other parent out there who's losing their parental rights? If if you have a kid that's 13 and and you're saying, look, I'm responsible for your well-being. I'm responsible for your safety. I have to look out for you. I am your guide in just about everything because I'm your guardian. I'm your parent. I'm your mom. I'm your dad. And all of a sudden you're you're not allowed to protect your kid because your kid n- now has rights to go and mutilate their body, change their gender, take hormones and become the opposite sex. Maybe uh, this is to me uh, the epitome of government overreach and child abuse. Paul.
9: Yes, sir. Now, Rich, my daughter is going to be 40 here come March. And wow. back in the day. Um, uh, you know, back then they started all this stuff, uh, you know, put them in the corner time out and all that kind of stuff. Now yeah, yeah, I only I had to smack my daughter's Yeah. I only had to smack my daughter's rear end one time and it was for her. She smacked a little girl in the back cause she got mad about her about something. But anyway, I think this is when all this started, you know, um, yeah. you, you, there has to be discipline in a child's life, you know, and you and not think about up and say, Hey mom, I feel like a, a, a girl today. If you're a boy or, you know, a boy, if you're a girl. You know, um, you just, that's a phase they go through at that age. I mean, I can't understand why these people don't wake up and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is not right. And uh, I just think it's a, it's an atrocity. So atrocity, however you say it, Rich.
1: Yeah. Well, in Ohio, it's atrocity. Everywhere else is atrocity and we love it. We accept it either way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Uh, Paul, I think you're spot on and I agree with you. Uh, I think that was the beginning. There was a time and again, you know, you sit here today and you think if the, if your kid comes home from school and your kid being whatever age and the teacher grabbed me by the arm and yelled at me and tossed me into my chair. If I told that to my dad, my dad would laugh and then he would say, you're lucky that's all he did. And that's gospel truth. Now, and my mom would have said, don't make me go there and find out what you did to, to make that happen. Because that was the whole, it takes a village idea back then, right? In the 19th uh Late 70s, early 80s. Now, today, everybody wants to sue. They're calling, you know, the, the biggest lawyer they could find. How dare you? Let's look at the body cam footage. There's the classroom cam. There's this. And granted, I don't think teachers should beat up on kids. But I do feel that there was a time where I remember me. I was a real smart Alec, and... I remember many a male teacher grabbing me by the bicep saying, listen, Richie, you got to stop. <laughs> and I was like, OK, sir. <laughs> you know, I would mouth off. But I knew who was, you know, who meant business and who didn't. And I knew I did not want them to call my dad. So the way times have changed have put us, you're right, Paul, they have put us in, in, a, in a place where now people are saying, no, no, how dare you touch my kid? And again, we've put all the power into the kid and and we're usurping the power from the parent. And from, from teachers that were once, I think, there to educate and are now seeing many, I, I hate to paint with a broad brush, but I'd say many of the new ones, any recent graduate of a teacher's college, probably I'd say the last 24, 72 months, and I think I'm being generous there, is probably part of this indoctrination movement trying to get little kids to say, well, when I grow up, I'm going to choose if I'm going to be a girl or I might choose to be a boy. And I think, I, I think that's wrong. And I agree with you, Paul. It should be considered child abuse if it's not already.
9: Okay. Well, thank you, Rich. You have a nice weekend.
1: You too. I appreciate your call. It was very thoughtful, Paul. And, you know, in addition to the AOC audio we have all out crazy, she, uh, she, she was preaching yesterday. Uh, we have some additional audio from her, and I'll, I'll play that um, after the bottom of the hour. Uh, but we were talking earlier with uh, Brigadier General Blaine Holt about the Chinese spy balloon. This is a rather large balloon that was floating over Montana. And I was thinking, you know, maybe we should see if um, Frank in Evergreen, uh, Montana, on KOFI, maybe he'd seen it. I don't know if he did or he didn't. But I want to check in with James in New York City because I know that he had a couple of thoughts on this uh, spy balloon. James, go right ahead.
6: Yes. Good evening, Rich. It's a pleasure to speak to you again. Uh, apropos to this balloon incident, this thing is, a, according to what I've been garnering in the way of information, the thing is 200 feet long, and at some point on it, it's got an instrument package. that's the size of a uh, huge shipping trunk, pretty big item. And, and, you know, the fact that it's been cruising gingerly across the United States and over key military installations, I might add, uh, this sends an alarm signal to me, if not to many people in this country, the point being that we don't know what the intent of this thing is. Of course, the Chinese have defended it. Uh, if you listen to a few sources, they're saying, well, it's because of the radical changes in the weather and the temperature and rainfall throughout the Pacific, uh, northeast, northwest, and we need to monitor this, to get an idea of what's going to happen next month, a month later. But that's that, that's malarkey when you get down to it, because if mm-hmm. that were the case, this, this thing wouldn't be floating over uh, ICBM launch sites, silos, and, and military installations. So what happens here is that my belief, quite frankly, and I'm not being a a maniac about it, I'm not sure. being a terrorist, but The point is that I I, I suspect that this payload could be something very detrimental. It could be anything from a small yield hydrogen bomb all the way up to uh, vials of some new uh, virus that could knock out millions of people in this country. I I don't trust the Chinese implicitly whatsoever. I have no trust or faith in them. After the Mao era, they, they they would sell their own children into slavery. They don't care.
1: A hundred percent. Listen, I don't trust the Americans, you know, and this is something I've always a pet peeve of mine. People say, I don't trust this one. I don't trust any of them. You know, I might prefer one politician to another, but I'm not putting my trust in anybody but God. I don't put my trust in men and I don't put it in in any foreign um, adversary, enemy or politician, even domestic. Uh, This is a huge problem. We talked about it at length earlier. I agree with you. Nobody knows what's aboard this thing. Nobody understands why there's a Chinese flying saucer called a, a, a surveillance balloon floating across America, over Montana, over Missouri and nobody's shooting it out of the sky we're going to get to that and more as we continue thank you frank i am valdez it's 8334 valdez join the conversation open phone america don't go anywhere we're coming right back
0: Four Valdes. That's 4 833-4 Valdes. That's Valdes with an S.
1: All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdes, and I'm at Rich Valdes on all of the social media. Check me out on Instagram. You can see the pictures that I'm posting, and I I post whatever funny stuff I find. You may find it offensive. Um, If you like all types of humor, including bilingual humor, because I I do speak Spanish as well, um, I post all sorts of stuff on my Instagram story, and I think it's really funny, and I think you'll enjoy it, at Rich Valdez with an S. Now, I'm going to get to your calls. We're going to get to all of your calls. uh, But there was a story that I I saw here that I said, man, i got to talk about this, because it was a really interesting story. Listen to this one. Uh, This was sent to me by my producer yesterday, and I didn't get a chance to get to it. Uh, But it's in the Iowa Capitol Dispatch. Facility that sent a live resident to a funeral home in a body bag is fined $10,000. Yes, they put a woman in a body bag thinking she was dead and sent her to the funeral home. And when she gets there, they discover she's actually alive. So the place is called Glen Oaks and the special care center in Urbondale. And yes, they did get a $10,000 fine by the state. Now, I don't want to be crass. My dad was in a nursing home for a little while. Um, but I got to say, if you're sending one of your loved ones to a nursing home, make sure they're not shipping them off early, prematurely to the, uh, to the funeral home uh, just because, you know, they, they don't know what's going on. Now, according to state inspectors, a female resident of the Glen Oaks Alzheimer's Special Care Center in Urbandale was in declining health and receiving hospice care in late December 2022 and early January of this year. At about 6 a.m. on January 3rd, a worker at the home, according to state records, uh, they don't say if it's an aide or a licensed nurse or some other type of employee, checked on the resident and could not detect the pulse or signs of breathing. The resident's eyes were open. The worker later told inspectors that she felt the resident had passed away. So she notified a nurse that was on duty, according to the inspectors, and The nurse later told inspectors the woman's mouth and eyes were open, but the eyes appeared to be fixed and there was no breath sounds or pulse that could be detected even with a stethoscope, believing the resident was dead. The nurse notified the resident's family and an on-call hospice nurse notified the funeral home. At 7.38 a.m., a funeral home director arrived at Glen Oaks with the assistance of a facility nurse. They placed the woman on a gurney inside a cloth bag and then zipped the bag shut. At about 8.26, just about an hour later, the funeral director unzipped the bag a- at the funeral home and noticed the woman's chest was moving. She was gasping for air. EMTs were summoned to the funeral home and they rec- uh, they recorded the resident's blood pressure, oxygen levels, and pulse. At the time, the woman's eyes remained in a fixed place. She was nonverbal and had no motor response, according to state inspectors. The woman was then taken by ambulance to a hospital emergency room where it was noted that her breathing was shallow. She was then returned to the Glen Oaks facility for continued hospice care. Two days later, the woman died with her family at her side. Wow. Now, listen, I, I can only tell you this from my own experience. I went through hospice with my dad when he was 80 years old and he died and it took a long time for him to die. Ten days. Ten days. He was in hospice. From what I understood, most people did five days or less. And this whole thing, this whole story to me is, and there's more to it. I will tweet it out at Rich Valdez if you want to take a look at it. Um, This is remarkable. I, I understand that people make mistakes, but I can tell you that when I went through this, I kept asking, how do you know when he's dead? Because their blood pressure gets so low and their breathing becomes so shallow that there were multiple times where I thought my dad had met his maker and they kept coming and telling me, you'll know when it happens. There's a huge gasp of air and, and, and their jaw slams shut and you can tell, and that's exactly what happened. But there was a doctor that came by and the doctor, you know, ran a a test and they checked blood pressure and they did all sorts of things and they checked the eyes and they, you know, two people come by and then they finally make, you know, time of death and they, they call it. And, and I just think this is so, I guess maybe they have different rules in this particular uh, facility in this state, but fascinating. This fascinates me because I didn't think things like that could happen, but I also didn't think that China could put a, quote unquote weather balloon, which is really a spy balloon that's 200 feet long into the air space of the United States and get away with it. And yet here we are. So uh, we're going to get to your calls in a moment. I don't want, uh, yeah, we have, I guess we could get to your calls right now. Actually, no stopping me there. Uh, I know how to read a clock. I swear I do. Just like I know how to read. All right, let's go here to uh, Sarah in Bedford, Indiana. WBIW. Sarah, go right ahead.
10: Hey, great to talk to you. Great show as always. Uh, I think the most significant thing concerning this um, Chinese craft, whatever it is, is that it is a show of force by the Chinese. This isn't something that's way up in outer space, it's well within our airspace, mm-hmm. and if we had said something like that over there, they would have shot it down and made a big production of doing so. So this is a move they're making to show that the United States is too afraid to cross them or do anything quote-unquote quote, rash, and, 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 and it's what they've been doing to Taiwan and Japan, it's, it's a form of harassment and probing a boundary, and they're, they're making a show that the United States is too scared and afraid of causing an international incident.
1: Sarah, I think you're right. There's no question that China's reaching, and they're flexing. They're flexing on the United States, and they're they're sticking their chest out. And they they're in effect, they're shoving us. And until we shove them back, we're going to look like punks. and And this is my my worry, my fear here is that China's going to continue to capitalize on this American weakness led by Joe Biden, and it's going to be to all of our detriment. Uh, but I do agree with you. And I, we had a General Blaine Holt on earlier, and he uh, he he. he totally echoed what you were talking about uh so it's it's sad to say that this is the state of affairs in the united states right now but we will press forward now what i want just like this woman in the body bag what did you think about this about the woman delivered to the nursing home two days early who was still alive
10: well um it's kind of crazy but i'll tell you what um Joe Biden sometimes
1: doesn't show too many signs of life, and um, he should be careful. That was great. That was great. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Sarah in Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. That's terrific. All right, let's go to Evergreen, Washington. Uh, No, Evergreen, Montana, K-O-F-I. And let's check in with our buddy, Frank. Frank, have you seen the Chinese weather balloon known as a spy satellite?
7: Well, no, but uh, let me first touch in on that. It's about, Montana's a pretty big state. It's probably about, what, 650 miles from my place over to the other border there. And it's a long state, but it was probably 500 miles from me. And and, and it's strange, I did mm-hmm. see the, my virtual private network switched to that area. And then it switched over to uh, out of control to uh, more of the Midwest in the same direction of this craft. And I assume it's a, um, a seven G, uh, now,
1: and you're saying you couldn't uh, see it with your naked eye and nobody came to visit you.
7: No, that's, I got the Rocky mountains, uh, uh, to my East. So it blocks my visibility of, uh, the great plains uh, the higher, it's a higher altitude, uh, um, um, than I, where I'm at. And it's, uh, yeah, it's more of a horizon over there. I
1: get that. Now I want to ask you a question before we run out of time. What is your thought about this woman that was delivered alive to the funeral home?
7: I don't know. I didn't hear about that, but I want to say something about transsexuals <laughs> and Oh, go right ahead. That were born around Hanford. Uh, there's a higher, an, uh, amount of disorders of sexual uh, defects such as transsexuals uh, because of radiation, radiation poisoning, and so it's it's something we're going to have to live with. They have oh, a right wow. to it's live. Wow, it's interesting.
1: I didn't know there was a correlation there, but I'm happy to look into it. Makes sense to me. I I, I don't write off anything anymore after uh, after the China virus and after the the China balloon and <laughs> so many things. Uh, this war that doesn't end with Ukraine and Russia it's pretty hard to surprise me with anything now. You know, people could say, yeah, there's a, there's a bearded lady, you know, flying the Chinese uh, balloon. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to discount it. I'm saying, let me find out for myself, but I'm not going to say, you're nuts, that's not happening, because so many crazy things happen, and it's just an interesting time to be alive. Frank in Evergreen, Montana, K-O-F-I. Always a pleasure to speak with you, sir. Have a great weekend. More to come straight ahead. We're going to get to Pittsburgh. We're going to get to Montana and more. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America. This is Night. This is
1: Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Make sure you get me on social media. And I want to remind you about the podcast, right? So a lot of people are like, what's a podcast? I know, that's what I said when they told me, you should do a podcast. I was like, I don't even know what a podcast is. Anyway, it's the recording of the show, the replay of the show, where you get to hear the show anytime you want on demand. So if you missed any portion of the show, or let's say your local affiliate, doesn't carry all three hours of the program, voila, we've got the podcast. You can also, of course, lobby your, your local station and say, hey, I want Rich Valdez, and I want all three hours, and let them know as often as you want. Uh, I have no problem with that. <laughs> Just let them know you want to hear America at night, and uh, give them my name, and hopefully they'll, they'll start carrying the show, and we can have this conversation with, with you on your local affiliate. But if you've missed any portion of it, if you missed my interview with General Blaine Holt or any of the interviews we've done this week, we've had some terrific ones, uh, just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and download the podcast. And if you click subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. So whenever you want to hear it, you can hear it. Some people tell me on Facebook or on 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 uh, the messages on Instagram, they say things like, you know, I don't get to listen to everything while I'm at work. I listen a little bit on my way to work, but I do want to listen to all of the interviews. Cause I think they're really interesting. So I try to listen to the, uh, to the podcast and some people, believe it or not, they love the open phones across America. They like to hear your opinions and the, you know, the fun banter that we have in this uh, final hour of the program. So um, I want to encourage you to check out the podcast, rich Valdez America at night, wherever you get your podcast, it's free by the way. Now, Uh, We're going to continue with your calls, 8334-Valdez. But I want you to hear a clip of audio from my least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, also known as All Out Crazy. Now, yesterday, she was preaching like a southern preacher when she was complaining uh, in defense of Ilhan Omar. Some people did something, remember her? And uh, when they kicked her off the House uh, Foreign Affairs Committee. But now, good old AOC who uh, ran away from me, by the way. I tried to invite her on the show face-to-face. I had been calling her office, had our producers try to book her on the show, and I saw her, and I said, hey, Congresswoman!" she bolted across the street. It's the funniest thing. And we'll get to that one of these days. I'll tell that story, but I want you to hear a clip of her being all out crazy on the Sunday program, or on, yeah, I think it was on, no, it was on the Sunday program. It was just yesterday. A uh, fascinating clip where she's just blaming everybody under the sun for just about everything. Listen to this.
5: Well, you know, I think when we look at all three of these, first of all, when you look at Swalwell and Schiff... Um, their targeting and, and the Republican Party's targeting of all three of them have always been about campaigning, and h- it has always been about the perspectives that they bring. It is about political revenge in the case of all three of them: uh, political revenge for Adam Schiff for his work on the impeachment of Donald Trump, political revenge with Eric Swalwell in the incisive uh, uh, his incisive ability to communicate against the Trump administration and the wrongdoings of the Republican Party, and in the case of Ilhan Omar, I believe that that hers is absolutely especially amplified with racist targeting because this is what fed her base. This is the same representative that uh, Donald Trump held rallies around saying send her back to her, quote unquote her country. Her country is the United States of America. She is an American. And so you know, in the case of of all three of these expulsions, there is either political revenge or there is the absolute agenda um, of, of racist, misogynist, and xenophobic targeting, and those three—those are those three points. Um, in addition, no, I've, to had ben, I've had enough. I've
1: had enough. Let's get rid of her now. Listen. So, first of all, she says it's racist, misogynist, right? So you've got white people, white men, her enemy. She, um, who is that? Um, let's see, McCarthy, and he's telling other white men. Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, you can't be on a committee. And Yes, that's, uh, what'd she call it? Racist and misogynist. Okay, whatever you say, AOC. Uh, Then she said, oh, well, it's also political retribution because of what Schiff did. And she called it incisive commentary. Excuse me, ma'am? Mr. Schiff, a.k.a. Schiff for brains, he says, oh, we have all of this evidence. We have the evidence. We have the evidence. There's probably a montage out there of him saying we have the evidence. Russian interference. Trump is a Russian. Trump speaks in Russian, right? He goes on and on and on and on. And then ultimately, what do you got, sir? What do you got? Well, I can't show you. I can't. Show- all right. I got nothing. I got nothing. And now he's out. I mean, if there's ever been a clearer case, if he had anything, something would have happened to Trump already. He'd be on the committee. He's out. And the FBI said he should be out. And they like him at the FBI. So, I mean, this is just funny. Then you've got uh, her defensive, Ilhan Ilhan Omar, as she says, and their friend, right? The third member of the squad there, Rashida Talib, Representative Rashida Talib. She says, uh, well, she doesn't say anything. She whimpers. She cries. She's shedding tears because she's so upset about what happened to her dear friend, Ilhan Omar. Some people did something. Listen to this.
10: In the same- they introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are really. The gentleman's I know time has expired. Omar will not
5: be silenced.
10: The gentleman's time, expired. Omar, the gentleman's gentleman's so time sorry, has expired. To congressman, Omar. I am so sorry that our country is failing you today through this chamber
1: you belong the gentlewoman is no longer recognized the (laughs) gentlewoman i'm so sorry sis all right while she's apologizing apologizing to her sister ilhan omar we're gonna take this quick pause we're coming right back don't go anywhere it's rich valdez
0: this is america at night with rich valdez best head of hair in live late night radio six years in a row it's rich valdez
1: all right welcome back let's go to your calls mary st joseph missouri kma out of shenandoah iowa what's going on mary
7: hey
10: rich there's never a dull moment in chief's kingdom
1: we had that (laughs) balloon
10: come by today did you see it and uh you know what huh
1: could you actually see it?
10: Did I? S- no, but there was plenty of close-up photos of it on our evening yeah. news, and they they brought out the fact that Governor Mike Parsons of Missouri was very upset because he had received no communication about this thing from the federal government or the White House or anybody.
1: And yeah, well, if you listen to some have- of what the um, general from the Pentagon said— in effect, he was saying, you know, just look up. (laughs) It was just so bizarre. Just look up. We're not shooting it out. It's not interfering with anything. Everything's fine. Uh, Meanwhile, there's, you know, this foreign, you know, unidentified flying object, Uh, but go right ahead.
10: Well, you know, I had the same thought as that earlier caller that said this thing could be, you know, trailing a virus across us. I'm like, I Mm -hmm. hope not. That's a horrible thing. yeah, I'm like, I don't want to create a panic, but, you know, you just don't know. Right.
1: Well, you have, you know, when something so crazy happens and you never expected something like this to happen, it's not outside of the realm of reason to think, man, maybe there's this, maybe there's that, maybe that. Because that's exactly what happens when you think this never would have happened, but it happened. Mary, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Let's quickly go to Ferrantino in Pittsburgh. KDKA. Go right ahead, sir. Quick. You got 30 seconds.
4: Okay, Tarantino brother here. I'll give you the uh, drain pipe analogy over kids uh, the wanting to get, their, uh, get the, their sex change. When I was hmm. a kid, I thought I was going to fly in outer space, okay? And I had it all planned out. I took this
9: drain pipe. It was my test flight. No propulsion system at all. And I'm trying to fly this in and outer. I'm like seven years old, okay? So you're going to let people think that they can fly into space, kids.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the little pony with, that's attached to the broomstick, right? Ultimately, for many people, it's make-believe, but I think it's more than make-believe. It's, mental, uh, it's a mental issue, and we need to treat it as such and not make it seem like it's a perfectly uh, viable choice and like people aren't killing themselves over this. ferentino I thank you. America, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless. I'm Rich Valdez. We'll do it again Monday.